Jesus family. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. What was that word? What? What was that word? What was what word? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend Walker Howe. 90% of the time. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> when he's here, he's here. When he's not, he's not. 50-50. Anyway, but we've also got a good guest of ours, uh, Ben Cooper, my former sweet mate. Very excited to have him on the show. Uh, but before we go any further, Walker was saying before we started recording that one year ago today, on the day that we're recording this, was the the uh, when we posted our first ever episode, uh, going all the way back to New Year, New Me, with Andrew Wilson. Uh, so definitely want to go ahead and plug that episode. But uh, it's been a year since we've started this, since we've put this together. Uh, we've been able to put out a lot of good content so far, and I'm very thankful for you, Walker, and your all the work that you do behind the scenes, and all the all the uh, all the help that we get from Tim and Zach and Gavin and, and everyone else on our team. Uh, could not have done this by myself. You're a special guest, Ben. Yeah, good to be here on the <laughs> one year date. Yes. Oh yeah, feel special. It also shows you how old Isaiah is. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. Just because my knees crack when I stand up doesn't mean anything. Anyway. I think it does. (laughs) Uh, Ben, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself for those at home, and then we'll go ahead and introduce the topic. Yeah, so my name is Ben Cooper. I am currently a freshman at Freed Hardman University. Walker and Isaiah are sophomores. Um, The aged ones. Yes. (laughs) Um, I'm doing business management for my major. I plan on doing grocery management specifically, working for Publix, going up that chain, but I will be doing youth ministry right as I get out of college. I've already been offered a job at my home congregation, which is Biltmore Church of Christ. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, some of the hobbies that I do, I obviously read my Bible, I pray, I try to be more spiritual, but I also like music a lot. I'm in the university chorale, I play the trumpet. I'm going to be in the show band for making music, and I'm also going to be in the Sigma Rho Club show as well, so that's all I've got for right now. Very well-rounded man, man of many interests and talents, and we're very thankful to have him on the show and to have uh, him specifically on this episode. Uh, this is not an episode that I think Walker and I could have done by ourselves, uh, and so we're very thankful for Ben being willing to to go in depth on this study and and figure out what uh, how to help us explain who actually created the world. As the question that we're going to be looking at today. As a part of season four, where we're looking at apologetics issues, and of course, we probably already defined this word in previous episodes, but just to go back and restate it, apologetics is the defense of the faith, right? We are providing a defense for the Bible, for God, from science. We're not just trying to say, this is what we believe because we think it's true. We're saying, this is what we believe because we know it's true. And so the answer to the question of who created the world, well... Of course, we have to we have to stop and think. Well, that's a valid question to ask because the Earth demands a creator, right? It, it hasn't just always been here, and the vast majority of people would agree with that statement, that the Earth is not eternal, that it's not meant to last forever, and it has not always just been here. Uh, and so, the the problem becomes when we try to determine the cause of the Earth. How did how did everything that we know and, and have here on earth get here. Uh, so I'm going to open up the floor to you guys. What are some of the most popular viewpoints on this question? 
Um, some of the most popular viewpoints, for starters, is that God created the world. Most Christians believe or know that God created the world. I know all three of us know and believe that God created the world. But one of the main reasons for this episode is because we know that there are people out there, many people out there, that don't necessarily believe or think that God was the one who created it. So, yeah, even Christians, yeah. So what's the other alternative then, Ben? If, if people don't want to accept that God is the creator of the universe, then what is their, uh, what is their explanation? Well, some of their explanations, one of the more popular ones, is something called the Big Bang Theory. Um, basically, the, the whole universe and Earth itself, along with everything else that's not Earth, was created by some miraculous event of all this energy and all this matter just coming together and being able to create something so many billion years ago right yeah and so like we said those are the two most popular beliefs is that either god created the universe in some way shape or form there's some people who have different opinions about even that um with within that viewpoint and then other people has been pointed out for us uh subscribe to the big bang theory as their explanation for the universe and how everything that we know got here and obviously there's other viewpoints. Those aren't the only two, but those are, I would consider the most common ones. Yeah, some of the other less common ones would be specifically in other religions, like some other deity or mm. some other god created the universe or some other more far-fetched reasoning behind it. Mm. You could go on and on digging into like a Google rabbit hole of whatever is going on. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but like we said... Majority of people claim that their deity, who whoever they may be and, and whatever deity they may worship, uh, created the world. Or if for those of our friends in the world who are agnostic or atheist and do not believe in, in religion, uh, most of them, I think, would go with the Big Bang Theory as well. Because that's just kind of the commonplace answer in today's world. Uh, because it, and, and the sad truth of the matter is, at least from our perspective, people are denying God. Um, and that's a very, very disheartening thing for us as Christians uh, because we believe and we understand the Bible to mean so much more than just a good book to help us through this life. It is essentially a guidebook to heaven. Um, and obviously there's a lot more to it than just that. But I think that's a, a, a decent way of looking at the full picture of the Bible is as a way to prepare us, not just for the things that's going to happen to us in this life, but for the next life as well. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, the sad truth of the matter is a lot of people out there deny God and cling to this theory of the Big Bang, um, which is just that. It's just a theory. And it, it, it aggravates me a little bit that people will cling to that and, and hold fast to that even though science has not been able to prove the Big Bang Theory. And that's actually what we want to talk about next. We want to talk about why the Big Bang is not a reliable option. We talk about some of the things that science has shown to us and proven time and time again that when we look at those things and compare them to what we're told about the Big Bang Theory, it just doesn't make any sense. Most definitely. Uh, and I think one of the biggest uh you know you may have heard this um i guess illustration before about how the big bang theory doesn't make sense um and that is you know 
the idea that chaos does not lead to order. Um, and this is best illustrated by uh, if you were to walk across the beach and find a shiny laptop. And I am not the original person who came up with this story. Actually, uh, our good brother in the Brotherhood, Kyle Butt, tells the story a lot. And, um, and he talks about how if you walk across a beach and you find a shiny laptop, do you believe that that laptop just magically appeared out of nowhere and, uh, and it just happened to appear there over time and things like that? Um, and all the pieces just happened to come together and they were magically there. Um, it, it doesn't make any logical sense and it, and it can't happen. Um, and so there has to be an intelligent designer behind it. And so the same idea comes with our world. Uh, our world just couldn't have a bunch of pieces that came together in a chaotic fashion and uh, with an explosion with an explosion yeah and everything just happens to line up like it should um it it doesn't make sense and it it doesn't click at least in my head and 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 if it clicks in your head i'd be happy to hear how it works but um but the idea is is that chaos can't lead to order uh, no matter how you slice it um and so we know that matter and energy had to come from something it couldn't just spawn into being uh, energy and matter cannot be created or destroyed. Right. And that's the, uh, that's the second law of thermodynamics. And we'll get into that here in a second, but I want to go back and make sure that we spend a little bit more time on uh, chaos does not lead to order just to make sure that everyone at home and uh, is, is able to, to grasp this. Uh, I think you did a fine job of, of explaining it. And, and that analogy by, by Kyle Budd has been very helpful as well. But I mean, like you said, chaos cannot come from order. And that's exactly what the Big Bang was. It was a spark that came out of nowhere and it, there was just this massive explosion. Uh, I've never personally been uh, around too much explosives. I did uh, get a chance to go off and shoot some Tannerite back home with a friend of mine once and that was fun. Uh, but the point is, you know, when you see something explode, it doesn't create something. It destroys it, right? When we were shooting that Tannerite back home, uh, at, at a friend's uh, sawmill, yeah, it was abandoned. Don't worry, no one, no one was injured. But uh, just the idea is, you know, when we when we shot the tannerite and it exploded, it left uh, crevices in the ground. It didn't create something. It didn't bring life. It destroyed it because that's what an explosion does. It's chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're right now we're, we're sitting in Walker's room here at Freed. Uh, the library closed on us early. Uh, imagine letting their workers go home and, and enjoy enjoy time with their families. That's ridiculous. Uh, I'm joking, of course, by the way. Anyway. Are you, though? I think. Anyway. Point is, you know, if, if someone came into Walker's room while we were recording this and started throwing stuff around and, and, you know, knocking things over and just making a big old mess, that's not leading to order, right? No. Right, that would that would be chaos, and there would be no order in Walker's room and anymore. That would be chaotic too. <laughs> yes, Walker would be very mad. Uh, but yep. but the point of the matter is that that explosion, that chaos, it doesn't lead to order, right? The chaos happens, and then there is no more order. And so when we when people try to claim that this explosion just led to everything in the universe being the way that it is. Like you said, Walker, that just doesn't make sense to me because we see so much order in our universe. And it also doesn't uh, and it also doesn't make sense to me because, you know, if you pick up something outside, uh, let's say, for example, a leaf, if you closely look at a leaf and you see all the lines that appear on it and 
how how detailed it is. Um, and of course, there's probably a better example I could have used other than a leaf. But the <laughs> the, the point of the or the point of the statement is is that you know you can pick up just about anything outside and look at the the details that it has. Mm-hmm. There's no way that chaos could have designed all those details and those things lead up just perfectly. There has to be uh, someone or something who designed that uh, that that detail. It just can't be there. Absolutely. And another thing to think about it when it comes with chaos and destruction is that chaos cannot create itself either. Mm-hmm. Something has to cause that chaos. That's and if the big thing, cause and effect. If the big bang is about how this chaos just magically appears, well, we know that that can't happen unless some outside force is somehow doing it. Mm-hmm. And the only outside force that could even be possible of doing that is God itself because God isn't necessarily of this physical realm. He is spirit in the spiritual realm. Now, he came to the physical realm in the Garden of Eden and through Christ. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the creation... Nothing in the physical realm could create something else in the physical realm. Yes. It could only be in the spiritual realm. Absolutely. And I'm very, very appreciative that you brought that point up uh, for us, Ben, because that's something that we're going to be talking about later as well. But like you said, uh, you know, chaos cannot create itself. And, you know, the only thing in the universe with enough power to and, and enough energy and enough matter to create the universe, even if it was by the Big Bang, which... It wasn't, by the way, but and we'll get into that in a second. Was God? And I absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, and there's some people who have taken that viewpoint. They try to they try to compromise and they say they try to say, well, you know, maybe God kicked off the Big Bang and that led to the millions and billions of years of evolution that we see. And they they try to combine these beliefs and just make everybody happy. And I appreciate the effort for unity there. Mm-hmm. I think I think. That can be appreciated, but I cannot abide by that because the Bible does not say that. The scientific evidence does not support the billions and billions of years idea that evolution has to have in order to start from that single-celled organism that came from the Big Bang to lead to everything that we have now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, go when ahead, it comes go ahead. to the viewpoints of God did create the universe but through the Big Bang, you'll see that a lot in like high school like science classes especially since this could be just because of whatever they want to believe but if you do believe in god that means you must believe in his word and his word simply does not show that the big bang happened it shows that it was in the seven days of creation right. and that's another thing that we're going to be getting into later as well so we've already dropped some <clears throat> we've already dropped several hints about what's coming that next yeah, so uh foreshadowing no. yeah. Yeah. plays a key role in our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. You won't want to miss this. Uh, but yes, like, like we've been saying, chaos does not lead to order. And we see so much order in the universe today. Walker made, made the analogy about you know going outside and you can see the details in, in plants. Uh, I think even when we just look in the mirror, we're able to see that. Mm-hmm. Right? Our bodies are highly functioning machines that work so much better than anything we could ever have created. Uh, God truly thought of everything, not just for us, but for every organism that exists. He came up with everything that they would need in order to survive and to function the way that they were designed to. Um, And, well, some people will hear that and ask, well, if that's true, then why do people get sick? Why do people get injured, right? If, if, 
if this is true, then why do we have sickness today? And that's a valid question. And to A, I want to plug an episode that we did with Dr. Sokolowski. Uh, uh, when, when did we release that one, Walker? It was over the summer. It was over the summer. Yeah. Thank you. So in that one, we look at the problem of suffering. In August. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we definitely recommend going back and looking at that episode uh, to hear this conversation more in depth. But And he also wrote a book over that as well. So Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, but the point is, you know, when we consider the fact that God made our bodies, God did not make our bodies to last forever. That's why we have a soul. Mm. The body is just supposed to be a temporary home for the soul. Like, like you're renting an apartment, right? You're not planning on staying in that apartment forever. It's just until you get to the next place that's going to be better, right? Like a, a, a lot of us probably in, here at school, when we graduate, we're probably going to be looking for an apartment, right? So until we can save up enough money to get a house, mm-hmm. because the house is something better. It's, it's our own. We don't have to share it with weird neighbors or, uh, you know, pay a landlord or anything like that. Uh, and so... Or live in another dorm space. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the point is that that's, that's what it is to be on earth. It's our temporary home. We're looking forward to something better. And our bodies were not designed to go with us to that something better. Yeah. Because that something better is, is heaven, a spiritual realm, as Ben kind of alluded to a little bit ago. Because, of course, heaven is where God is. Um, and so the idea here is that God gave us so much order and when our bodies are working the way that they were designed to, then it's a beautiful thing. It's a well-oiled machine. But our bodies were also designed not to last forever. Uh, and that can be a difficult thing for us to think about sometimes because when our bodies aren't working the, the way that they were designed to and functioning normally, then it brings pain and it brings uh, sorrow to us and to our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And we don't like seeing that. But the simple fact of the matter is that our bodies do not last. And some people will look at that and say, well, there you go. That proves that there's no God. And other people like us will look at that and say, wow, look at what God has prepared for us. Mm -hmm. We've got something so much better ahead of us. Somewhere where we won't need our physical bodies. Most definitely. And 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 that's what hope is, you know. That, that's the whole definition of hope. Uh, we have a hope that is far better than anybody else can uh, imagine. And so that's the, one of the great joys of being a Christian. And uh, that's just a whole other episode for itself, <laughs> the joys of being a Christian. But, um, but hope is, is such an amazing thing. Um, and so I think this leads us into uh, why creation is the only option. Um, and we know that uh, there's there's a ton of evidence. We've hit on the evidence uh, so far, um, and we know that uh, matter demands a maker, and life demands a life giver, um, and so it, it only makes sense that creation can be the only option because of what what we spoke about so far. Um, there, there's just too much evidence to show that there has to be a designer behind it, but I think before we can uh, talk about, you know, before we can talk about the evidence, I think we also need to understand that uh, many people may be hung up on the idea of, well, if God created the world, where did God come from? And I think it's important to address real quick that you know God is n- not a physical human being. He, he didn't have to have anyone to 
to create him. All he needed was, or he's a supernatural being, so he has always existed and he'll always exist. And so uh, there was no need for God to be created. Um, and so thus the point that, or the argument that is often made is that uh, the the idea of creation by God can't be true because our 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 uh, what what do you call it our um, stance is invalid because uh, God has to have a designer as well mm-hmm. but that's not true God doesn't need a designer right. he's he's existed from the beginning of time and so he is not confined by time space or matter yeah. he's God he's eternal and he doesn't need anyone yeah. if y'all want to add that's that. a that's a yeah. really good point Walker and. Uh, Ben, I'll, I'll let you speak here in a second, but I just wanted to, to point out something that Walker said and kind of expound on it a little bit. Uh, when we look at the ideas of, you know, the, the laws of thermodynamics, like we referenced earlier about how matter and energy have to come from something. They can't be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. Or when we look at the fact of matter demands a maker or life demands a life giver, those are laws of nature. Mm-hmm. But a word that Walker used to describe God, which is a very apt word, is that God is supernatural. He does not have to abide to the laws of nature because he is bigger than the laws of nature. He created the laws he of nature. He created the laws of nature, exactly. <laughs> and that goes back to the order that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But the point is that God is outside of the laws of nature, like you said, Walker, because he's not a natural being. Yeah. You know, when we go outside and when we look at the animals and when we you know, see our friends and when we look in the mirror, those are natural beings. We are all unique, of course, obviously, but we are still human. There's billions of humans. There's billions of animals. There's billions of plants. But there's only one God. God is supernatural. He is outside the laws of nature. And so when people will bring up that argument, oftentimes, again, uh, like we said, the simple answer is God is not confined to the laws of nature because he is supernatural. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, if we, if we want to use that line of questioning, then where did the Big Bang come from? Yeah. Why, did no, why was there nothing and then suddenly something happened? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, I've heard the analogy used before, and this may have also been Kyle Butt, but I'm not sure. So credit to whoever it, was, it came from. It's not me. <laughs> we'll just credit Kyle Butt because he's the only person we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's done a lot of good stuff regardless. Uh, but the point is... That, you know, if you lock a piece of paper in a safe and come back, you know, after whatever amount of time that you want, if that paper had something on it, it's still going to be there because you put it there, Mm. right? But if that paper was blank when you put it in the safe and when you lock the key, there's not going to be anything on it. Information doesn't come from nowhere. Matter doesn't come from nowhere. It has to come from something. And so if the Big Bang Theory is what evolutionists want to cling to then they have to be prepared to answer the question why did nothing cause something mm-hmm. because that's never been how it's worked that's never will be how it's worked and the laws of nature clearly state that mm-hmm. so why did why did the big bang theory happen they have no explanation as far as i'm aware yeah. no one that will really hold up at least right and something else to consider too is um lots of the confusion that we that other people that have different views from Christians on how the world was created and who created it is because they are trying to use God's spiritual sense and try and combine it with the laws of nature that just don't go together because they're in two different realms. It's also 
biblically why sometimes some confusion can be made about who God is and how God works and what's actually being said in Scripture. One of the big examples I can think of is the quote that Jesus says, Come who all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Okay. Going back to Isaiah's sickness um, ramble, it's not that's not necessarily saying you will have no sickness, you will be completely healthy the rest of your life. No, that's talking about our souls being able to have a resting place whenever we're done. If there's anything the Bible promises, is that the earth and our world and our lives in this physical realm will not be easy in any sense. Just ask all the Jew, not Jews, just ask all the Christians who had to live under Nero. It was not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, as I already mentioned, the laws of nature, nature was created by God and everything around it and all of its environment and the things and the stimuluses in that environment were created by God in the physical realm. But God is in the spiritual realm. So those laws don't necessarily apply to God. Not because he's hypocritical, but because he's supreme. He's holy. As holy as holy gets. Mm -hmm. And to go off of um, the preeminence stuff where God existed before time ever started infinitely and will exist after time infinitely, that was the same for the Holy Spirit in Christ as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that just goes to show... That God is able to, to create the world in the physical realm because he is able to stand outside of it and put something into it. Right. Like a painter, right? Mm. The painter's not in the painting. He's not, you know, affected by whatever laws that the painting has. In that, in that, or maybe an author would be a better illustration. Uh, you know, an author who makes up a, a sci-fi realm for instance or a fantasy realm or something of that nature they're not confined to the laws of the book that they're writing right because they're not a citizen of that fantasy realm or sci-fi realm or historical fiction realm or whatever it may be they're not there right it's something that they are creating and the, and the to add on to your point Ben that's exactly what God is doing right he is the creator he is the author he is the life giver he doesn't need someone to provide that with him because he already had everything that he needed. Like you said, he is almighty. He is supreme. Uh, Some people might question like, all right, so he is supreme and he is better than us. He's higher than us and we are lowly. But is that the way God intended creation to be? Absolutely not. He created Adam and Eve and everything else. It was Adam and Eve and the serpent whenever sin entered the world. That caused all this darkness and all this struggle. Originally, that's not his intent. There's two times in the Bible where sin is not in the world. Creation and at the end of Revelation when God creates the new heaven and the new earth. Mm -hmm. That was how he originally intended to be. He created it how he wanted it to be. And once all of this stuff is over, all of our lives and the entirety of earth is over, he's going to recreate it into what he wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And, and that gets into the idea of God gave Adam and Eve free will to make a conscious decision to obey him or to disobey him. Uh, but that's another episode for another time. Uh, we're actually recording one tomorrow about free will yes, and morality. Yes, I'm not, we're not, I'm not sure off the top of my head what the order of the release date is going to be. So it may already be out, and if it is, go check it out. And if not, stay tuned because it's coming up shortly. Uh, but either way, the point is, 
like like Ben that you were saying, uh, God created man and woman there in the garden. That we that we see that in Genesis, uh, the very beginning of, of the Bible. And he wanted to have a an intimate relationship with them, and they turned their back on him. They despised him. They despised his law, and they broke it. Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, God said, "Well, I'm going to punish you now. I don't want to. I still love you, mm-hmm. but I can't let you just get away with doing what I told you you shouldn't do." Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when we when we look at the the Genesis account, you know, in in Genesis chapter one, of course, the the fall of man, as we like to call it is in chapter 3, but when we look at Genesis chapter 1, you know, the, the thought there is that we see the outline of how the world was created. And we see how God s- spoke these things into existence. And, you know, when we look at the account that we have in Genesis chapter 1, and when we look at the world around us and, and just how everything works, God and the Bible and science line up perfectly and that's that's been an argument in the church for a long time uh, because people would try to use science to disprove God and of course the three of us in this room understand and and hopefully we've made it clear to you at home that science and God go hand in hand Uh, the natural laws that are in the universe were created by God those scientific laws that we know and understand today were created by God Um, so science and God science and the Bible do go hand in hand but because people would use faulty science and, and assumptions because they didn't want to believe in God to try and use science to disprove God, a lot of Christians rejected the idea of science at all. And I think that is a, a poor mistake that we could make. Right. Um, Another thing, especially whenever it comes to Christian Christianity versus science and how they're, they people believe they were separate but together, uh, most of the people that tried to use science to disprove God by keeping him separate, turn out to actually come to the faith because they just simply mm. cannot do it. They simply cannot prove by science that God doesn't exist. Instead, they find all the evidence that because science exists, God must exist. Yeah, that's that's an excellent, excellent point, Ben. And I'm very glad that you brought that up because um, like you said, there's just so much evidence out here. We've just scratched the surface at most with this. There is uh, so much resources uh, out there from people like Kyle Butt with Apologetics Press and, and the Warren Apologetics Center and, and all of these things that, uh, that give us these evidence. And there's so many very, very smart and talented people out there who... Smarter than us, surprisingly. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, very much so, who can study this and go into a lot more depth on this. Uh, and so, obviously, we're, we're not able... And we're not capable of really going in depth as much as we would maybe like to in this episode. Right. But I think that we've shown that the Big Bang, the Big Bang Theory, excuse me, is not a reliable option because it was a theory of chaos. And as we mentioned, chaos does not lead to order, nor does it lead to creation. Uh, there could not be have been any matter or energy created from that, according to the second law of thermodynamics that has been seen and observed and tested over and over and over again in the scientific community. We also see that matter demands a maker and life demands a life giver, and that has to be God. We've seen that the Bible lines up with this 
that scriptures and science go hand in hand. And we understand that this, that this can be the case because as we've talked about, God is outside the laws of nature because he is a divine and eternal spirit. He is not a normal being. He is supernatural. Uh, and so I think we've done a fairly good job of communicating that. And again, obviously, there's bound to be questions. There's bound to be things that we didn't get to, things that we weren't able to bring up because we're limited by time and resources uh, here. Obviously, we're, we're not able to spend as much as we would like to on this subject. But we did want to get to at least one more thing. And I think we alluded to this a little bit earlier in the episode. But even within Christianity, there's multiple different viewpoints on creation. Uh, some people believe that God created the earth by speaking it into existence in a week. Some people think that God created the universe by speaking it into existence, but it took a lot longer than a week, uh, whatever period of time they may throw out there. And then there's some people, uh, I think we've definitely mentioned this one, who believe that God is real, but he used Big Bang and evolution to create everything that we see today. And so that begs the question, did God create the earth in seven 24-hour days? Uh, that's what the Bible says to us. It says on day one, God created the heavens and the earth. Day two, God created, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And so that is a question that we have to answer for ourselves as Christians. Uh, obviously for any of those in the, in the atheistic community or the, the evolutionist uh, community, this question has no meaning because they don't believe that God created the universe at all. But for us as Christians, and the three of us in this room and, and probably the vast majority of those who are going to hear this podcast at some point, uh, obviously not everyone, but the, I, would, I would assume the majority would be, would be believers, we have to answer this question. And so I'm going to open it up to you guys and see what, what, what you think before I kind of reel it back in with my own thoughts and, and conclude the episode. Yeah, I've heard many, like, Bible, personally, back at home in my church, I've heard many, like, Bible classes and sermons about this and everything like that. And I've been in high school science classes and everything like that, saying, like, well, sure, I believe that God exists, but all this Big Bang scientific stuff, like how matter just somehow was created and just was able to form this collision, how much time was actually spent doing all this. Um, and I always find myself going back to, especially in the Bible, the there was evening and there was morning on nth day. And I've always thought, well, no matter how much, I've always been given so much like evidence or whatever like that, or so much reasoning, quote, reasoning, um, I've never been able to get past that evening and morning because there's only so much time that can be spent in an evening and morning as long as I've, it's speaking of evening and morning as we modernly would think of it. And I don't see any reason why that would not be the case. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Walker, do you want to touch on that? Uh, you know, I know there can be some times where a day feels like years, but I definitely feel that, um, I, I think alluding to Ben's point, you know, uh, I think that God clearly establishes within the first few verses in Genesis the the sequence of a day that there's morning and there's evening and that's day one. There's morning and there's evening. That's day two, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I don't. Uh, and so I think that He definitely did create the earth in seven days. Did He use all twenty four hours within a day? 
we we don't know um and i and i think that's a question where we have to let you know that that's up for interpretation um and that's ultimately like one of my questions for god whenever i get to meet him i mean you know we 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 could say i don't think it's wrong to say he did i'm sure he used his time very wisely and efficiently um, um because if he rested on any other day or at any other part during the day i think scripture would have recorded that as well um but we know that for sure he rested on the seventh day and so that in my head would lead me to conclude that maybe he used all 24 hours in each of the days and then on the seventh day he finally rested um because it it doesn't say that he rested at any other point during that time so there would be no other way to say that um he took a break uh for uh he stopped working at 6 p.m on day one i mean uh god like we said at the beginning god's not confined by time space or matter so He's constantly at work, and he hasn't taken a break since he rested on the seventh day in our lives today. I mean, he's still at work in our lives. He never stops, and so I don't think uh, that's changed uh, in creation as well. Another thing to consider with that stuff is, to preface what I'm about to say, we also know that we can trust the Bible because it's not just God's word that he gave to us. There's also been countless numbers of manuscripts throughout history, not just New Testament but Old Testament as well, passed down through time that we can look at. Right. Especially when it comes to the seventh day of rest. And to add on to his point, even if he didn't create it in like 24 hours and he punched in at 9 a.m. and clocked out at 5 p.m. <laughs> 9 to 5. <laughs> and um, something else to consider is, if it wasn't 24-hour days, then why did all the worshiping of God in Jewish culture happened on the seventh day. If it wasn't necessarily 24 hour days, that seventh day worship would just fly out the window. So if, but because the Jews worshiped and rested on that day, that means they knew because they always, someone at any point in given time had these documents, had these writings and everything like that. Um, or at least had the, eyewitness account of God speaking to them, showing them this is what actually happened. If it wasn't like that, history would be completely changed. But because history and the Bible is consistent with what actually happened, because, I mean, just think about what would have actually happened, what how the Bible and Old Testament would have changed if it wasn't 24-hour days. How would worship look like for the Jews? When would they have done it? How would they track time how would they do x y or z how would they be able to do all that if it wasn't for god creating it all for them laying it out on a blank canvas or just right in front of them on a piece of paper they wouldn't have been able to figure that out and they would have completely not done what god innately designed the earth to be that's a really good point ben um you know, when we when we look at the, the Jewish tradition of keeping the Sabbath day, which we understand to be the last day of the week, uh, you know, just the, the idea of days and weeks, you know, like you said, where did that come from? It had to come from God, right? Chaos does not cause order, but order causes order. And so when, when God came in and, and established the sun and, and the stars to, or the sun to rule the day and the stars and the moon to rule the night, all right, he was creating that cycle for us. Um, and like, like we've been saying, he created that cycle of a day, and seven days became a week, and, and so on and so forth. 
and that became very important to the Jews uh, or to the Israelites after they made their escape from Egypt. Uh, in Exodus chapter 20, we find God and the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, and God is making a covenant with the people of Israel. And we see at the beginning, uh, and we see beginning at verse 8, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we see here God creating the, the pattern for the Jews to follow with the Sabbath day. And obviously uh, go, we, want to, we want to encourage you to go back and listen to our episode about Sunday or Sabbath for us as New Testament Christians. We're plugging a lot of episodes in this one, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but the point is that God gave them this commandment to keep the seventh day of the week as a day of rest, a day of meditation on his word. How would they have known what the seventh day was unless God had came in and created that order? Um, and something else that I wanted to point out very quickly while we're on the subject, you, know, you may be asking, well, if God is supernatural, how did he get tired? Why did he need rest? Uh, and I don't think that's the way that the Bible is using the word rest here. It's not saying that God was tired and so he went to bed. It's saying that God had completed his work, that he was done, and so he stepped back, right? Like we were talking about earlier with, a, with an author or with a painter. When they finish their project, they're done. They don't keep working on it, right? When that painting has been sold or when that book has been published, they don't get to go in and say, oh, I want to change that now. When we submit an assignment on Canvas and we see the confetti come up, we know that we're done and we don't have to worry about it no more. Yep. And whatever grade we get is what we're going to get. And at that yep. point, we probably don't care anymore. But, but the point is, you know, God is supernatural. He doesn't, Superman, yes. He is. Well, <laughs> sure. Close enough. But God is supernatural. Uh, he does not get tired or, or weary uh, I mean, maybe he gets tired of us making stupid choices, but other than that, yeah. you know, in a, in a physical sense, God does not get tired because God does not have a physical body. Uh, and so I just wanted to, to point that out and clear up any confusion that may or may not be there. Uh, just better safe than sorry, I suppose. Uh, but something else that I wanted to, to point out was that we are supposed to trust in the Bible that it is God's word. Uh, go ahead and plug another episode here. The authority of Scripture, right? Uh, early on in season three, we looked at that, and it's, and it's the idea that this is God's word. This is what God wanted us to know, and if we're going to try and understand God's word, the best place to go is God's word. Mm. Shouldn't go anywhere else, right? And if it's not in the Bible, then don't listen to it, because mm -hmm. it needs to be from the Bible. And obviously, you know, there are some scientific things that the ancient writers didn't understand and some of the things that we're talking about, like the law of thermodynamics and, and all of that stuff. That stuff we can understand to be true because it has been tested and proven multiple times. Just like the Bible, for instance. Uh, but the point is that the Bible is its own best commentary. right? So if we want to understand the Bible, we have to look at the Bible. Uh, and some people, when they hear that, 
they may, you know, in connection to, to what we've been talking about with did God create the earth in seven 24-hour days, they may turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, where Peter says that, uh, he says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And a lot of people will look at that and take it literally and say, oh, you know, one day here is like a thousand days in heaven or a thousand years in heaven and one, a thousand years in heaven is like a day here. And they take that literally. And I don't think it's supposed to be taken literally. It's a, it's a simile, right? We, we looked at this in our high school English classes, right? When you want to compare something, you use either a simile or a metaphor. A simile says something is like or as another thing. A metaphor says it is that thing. Right? He says, one day is as a thousand years. It's an expression. Right? And in context, he's trying to remind his audience, Peter's trying to remind his audience that God is going to keep his promise that he's going to return. Right? Because at this point, people were already waiting for Christ to come back. They were already tired of having to live out the persecution and the trials that come with being a Christian. So they were wanting to know, is Christ actually coming back? And Peter says, yes, he is actually coming back. We just don't know when. Because as Walker pointed out for us earlier, and Ben probably did as well, God is outside of time. And so time is not a thing that is the same for God as it is for us. And so when we look at the actual commentaries, uh, not commentaries, when we look at the actual content of Scripture, and we look at it in context, and we look at Genesis chapter 1, again, it lines up perfectly with what we see in science. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also something interesting is that Genesis chapter 1, God talks about days, but he also talks about years. Uh, I should have written this verse down. <laughs> uh, I apologize for that. But, but another thing to think about with all of this stuff, especially with that verse, like I have mentioned before, is that... Um, Understanding that God is in a spiritual realm and we are in a physical realm and the Bible doesn't necessarily distinctly just note the difference of what applies to which just off of the blue. And that one, I also believe, is more about the spiritual realm than the physical realm, although it does apply to both. But just thinking about, for that verse specifically, could also be meaning, or also references, the greatness of heaven and the greatness that is Christ. Um, other things to think about when it comes to this stuff is um, I was going somewhere with this. <laughs> it's okay. I found my verse. Yes. All right. So uh, in Genesis chapter one and verse fourteen, after the third day, uh, verse fourteen picks up with the fourth day of creation, and God said, "Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night." Right, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days, and for years. Why would God use both days and years when making the sun and the moon? If, uh, why would he use both of these terms unless he meant them as we interpret them now? I don't, I don't understand any other application from that. And so when we look at the Genesis account, it, God says, the evening and morning was the first day. These will be for days and for years. Why can't we just let the Bible speak for itself? 
If God is saying here in Genesis chapter 1 that he created the earth in seven days, just like we have seven days where each one of them is 24 hours long, why can't we believe that? That's my question. Absolutely. Uh, and we also see in, in, the, in the passage that we looked at earlier in Exodus chapter 20, God said, I created the earth in six days and on the seventh I rested. He says it again. He reminds the Israelites of his power and of his, his creation and of his just awesome might and creativity. Why can't we just give him the glory that he deserves for creating the world? And to fill in the, that stuff, not in that biblically, that's the exact explanation. But historically speaking, we also can see that too, because the Egyptians, for their timekeeping, was very similar to exactly how we keep it today. Mm-hmm. You might question, oh, well, boy, wait a minute. That Egyptian, all that stuff, their prime wasn't necessarily at creation. But the person who wrote Genesis was obviously Moses in Egypt at their prime. So it just makes perfect sense how it all fits in together right. because God is giving, breathing the word into Moses. And it just makes perfect sense with Moses and it's supposed to make perfect sense with us as well. And the thing that I was going to say earlier, especially whenever, at least for my curiosity, sometimes just as humans, we like to fill in gaps. Mm. Filling in these gaps and looking at more creation even can cause us to have more questions about what the Bible says, what is legitimately happening, what reality is this. And every day as a Christian, we seek and yearn to learn more about God and more about what the truth necessarily is. And we, but even in the Bible, it says we won't necessarily know the entirety of it until we are in that spiritual realm. When we are out of this physical realm and can see it all for ourselves and seeing it with God. Something that I've always been told is that it takes just as much faith to believe in God as it does to not believe in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I, I really like that that phrase actually because, you know, in order to dispute all of the evidence that we talked about and all the evidence that we didn't get around to today, and to believe in in evolution and believe in the Big Bang, I I think it takes even more faith because at least with Christianity we have evidence, we have proof, we have things that we can rely on, uh, and. God deserves the praise because of that. Uh, all glory and all praise and all honor is due him because we are his creation. We are made in his image. Uh, and so the last thing that we want to touch on before we close off the episode is just the fact that because God is our creator, he deserves our praise. He deserves our worship because he is that supernatural being who spoke the world into existence. Amen. He is the one who deserves the praise and the glory and the honor. It should not be focused on us. It should be focused on him. Mm-hmm. But if that wasn't enough, <laughs> if we needed another reason to love and adore God other than the fact that he created us, he saved us. Amen. Like we were talking about with Adam and Eve, we have this ability to make choices of our own and we don't make the right choice all the time. We sin, we break God's law, and we break his heart when we do it. But God loved the world so much 
that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. Right? Amen. And that's why he created the world. Exactly. So that we could be in heaven with him one day if we were found faithful in his sight. What a beautiful story of redemption that Amen. the Bible illustrates. Amen. Uh, from, from, from beginning, and Ben talked about this earlier, from Genesis 1, whenever the world was created, to the end, whenever God created the new world. Uh, it, it a just new spiritual shows. world. And then everything in between, the fall of man, Jesus coming back, it, it, it just paints a beautiful picture. And it's something that, it, it seems surreal and uh, something that uh, you may think that we're crazy for believing. But God proves his ability to, uh, of who he is, I guess, each and every day. And there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I believe that God is the one who created this world and that he is the one who is alive and well in my life because I see him working in so many ways. And I'm sure Isaiah can say the same thing in his life. And I'm sure Ben can say the same thing in, your, in his life. And I'm sure that you can say the same thing in your life as well. Um, there, there's just, it, it's just completely uh, unfathomable uh, how great our God is. Yes, and to show how great our God is is that one of the things we know about it is that he is all-knowing. Mm-hmm. He knew from the beginning of time exactly what was going to happen, that Adam and Eve were going to sin, and that we have sinned and we needed grace. Mm-hmm. And we needed Christ as our Savior. Someone, because the only person that could have had any possibility of not sinning was God himself. And that's exactly who Jesus is, God in the flesh. Another thing about the creation story that's interesting is when you look at it, looking at the quotes of God speaking, he never says, now let me do this. He says, let us, plural, Mm, meaning Jesus was also there. And the Spirit. And the Spirit. And then just to quickly allude to that, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, Whenever uh, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, we see in verse 14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know that in verse 1, the Bible is talking about Jesus uh, was with God, and he, he was God in the beginning. So we know... Nothing in him was created. That's right. And so nothing, we, nothing without him was created. Sorry, yeah. misspoke. And so we know that Jesus existed from the beginning of time, and he was there all along. But that's, of course, another topic for another day. Um, but uh, it, it's just truly amazing about how you know God and Jesus were there, and they they came and they decided to you know create us and to let us uh, do the things that we do, and ultimately they give us a choice to follow them, and um, and so that choice has been left up to us. We have a choice today to believe whether what the Bible says is true regarding um, who created the world. Um, and so that choice is ultimately in your hands now. What do you believe? Do you believe that God is the true creator of this world? Or do you believe that some chaotic event caused the creation of this world? Or do you have some other theory that the world was created? Whatever your conspiracy theory may be, I want you to set it aside, open up God's word, and just read the account of creation. And hopefully you can see like we do the beauty and the nature uh, and the amazing ability that God has to create the world. We are running out of time. We have five minutes before this thing cuts us off. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up if that's okay, gentlemen. Works for me. Um, And so it's been a great episode. Uh, I've enjoyed our time together. Uh, A few things. If you ever have any questions or any concerns, please reach out to us. There's there's bound to be a lot of questions about this episode. Because again, we didn't get to everything that we even even wanted to really 
the best way to reach us is by email, info at tteoj.com. Uh, and so we check our emails regularly, um, and we try to respond as quickly as we possibly can. If it's a deep theological question, give us a few days to get back to you so we can research and to provide you the best accurate answers possible. Um, if you uh, don't want to contact us by email, you can reach out to us on our social media pages. You can find those on our website, tteoj.com. There's direct links to those there. Um, and you can find all of our listening platforms on there as well. Uh, very quickly, um, you know, we plugged a lot of episodes. Those will all be in the show notes. I also want to let you know um, that there will be another show that um, I'll be hosting uh, that will be coming out soon. So uh, I want to go ahead and say um, to go ahead and go over and not only like our page on Facebook and stuff, but also like uh, the show Hey, We Were Thinking. Um, it's a show that me and another uh, friend of mine will be hosting, um, and it will be coming out uh, soon and very soon. Um, so go and check that out, um, and we would appreciate that as well. We're thankful for you, the listener, and we're thankful that you decided to take time out of your day to listen to uh, the Three Stooges talk about God's Word. <laughs> and, and so as we uh, close in prayer, I hope you can remember um, the, the things that we talked about today and know that we serve a great God who created us and who loves us so unconditionally that he decided to save us. And it, it's just so amazing. Jesus is God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word and the, the inspiration that it provides in our life. We're just thankful for your creation as a whole. It provides so much encouragement to us and it provides us uh, every reason to believe in you. We pray that we can uh, our, our faith can be strengthened by your creation and that we can continue to grow and mature uh, as young babes in Christ. Be with us, Father, and help us in our everyday walk. And thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to save us from our sins. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.